Okay. We have a little family business today. Um, most of you got the email from Pastor Brian that he is going to be stepping down probably at the end of this year from, from leading worship. Um, he just feels in his heart like God wants him to step out of leadership for a while. If you did not get that email and you want to hear Brian's heart, <clears throat> we've got a paper copy of it down here. After the service, feel free to come and get that. And afterwards, we actually have Curtis leading the worship so Brian and Michelle can be available. If you want to chat about why they're stepping down, I just, uh, when I think of Brian, uh, the word that comes to me is faithful. Um, faithful. For 14 years with Mad City, um, literally unloading an 18-wheeler every single Sunday at 6.30 in the morning and then reloading it at 1 o'clock after the services at Mad City and then coming over here. There's nothing he hasn't seen. I mean, this morning is really typical for his life. This morning at 5.30, two of the people on the worship team dropped out for whatever reason. So it was, he said to me in the office, he said, there's just three of us today. And I'm I'm like, well, we just do church, don't we? And uh, so uh, they're going to, Michelle will continue to work here. They will continue to be here. But that that is happening. And if you have any questions about that, please uh, um, check that email or grab a paper copy of it. Okay, could we stand together in honor of God's word? Romans chapter 10, 13 through 17, and Romans 15, 18 through 24. Um, This is our 31st week in Romans. This is our last Sunday in Romans. Some of you are thinking, well, what about chapter 16? We already did 16. We did it on Mother's Day. It was called Spirit-Filled Women. Um, So this is our last Sunday in Romans. It has been a long journey. Here we go. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. 
For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. But now, with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have not have had many, for many years, a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Could we pray together? Father, I thank you for your goodness and your grace and your amazing salvation. Father, would you please speak here today to each one of us. Do something powerful for your glory, for your name, and for our good. And Lord, we will be sure to give you the praise for every beautiful good thing that happens here today. Help us, God, be on the same page as you. Not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. We ask for your help with this Holy Spirit. Please move in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message today is Spreading the Gospel. Point one is the power of the gospel. First, to plant faith in people's hearts. Paul says they can't believe until they've heard. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith faith is supernaturally begun when Jesus said the sower sows the word. There is no possibility of biblical faith until you've heard the word. You can't just invent it out of thin air. Faith comes to you first. It comes to you. The word of God comes and becomes alive in you. And Jesus said, this is how the kingdom works. He said, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of the parables. The sower sows the word. Some, the enemy comes and takes it before it sinks in. And others, it gets, it's received with joy, but then it's choked out by the cares and worries of this world, and others, because of persecution, it it gets choked, and others, it bears fruit, supernatural fruit. Just because the word is sown, making faith possible does not mean that everybody that hears the gospel is saved. The gospel only saves those who believe. Paul started in Romans 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel 
begins when the gospel is preached and the sower, Jesus is the sower, sows the word into your heart. No one comes to God by their own choice. The sower must come to you first. The divine faith, the divine word must come into our hearts. But just because that word is there, just because Jesus is knocking, if you will, on our life does not save us. We must respond by believing. The gospel saves those who believe. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is how God has ordained that people be saved. This last uh, membership class, people fill out a thumbprint and just tell a little of their story. And um, afterwards, I found this on my desk. Joel uh, it collected all the thumbprints, and he just put this on my desk, I'm assuming to encourage me. But I called this precious woman of God this week and asked her if I could just read what she wrote. Here's what she wrote. Pastor Tom Flaherty led me to Christ in August of 1989. I now speak in tongues and pray for people for healing on a regular basis as the Holy Spirit works in me. So this is, what is that, 20, 17 years ago? 26 years ago. Oh, my. But I remember it. I remember it so clearly of how she got saved because I was the college and career pastor at that time. It was, it was MGT. I was the college and career pastor. And it was, it was registration week. It was the biggest week. All the students are coming to the dorms. And I had this huge plan for our college and career outreach and and we 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 put together this dorm survival kit and we spent two hundred dollars on stuff that every kid would want in their dorm room and we we had this survey that people fill out to to be part of the raffle and you, it, you had to just fill out this survey and it was on fear it was on dealing with fear and um you had to talk fill it all out and then you put your name and your phone number and and then you can be part of the raffle and so we were working our tails off that week we're down at gordon commons which is the cafeteria and all the freshmen that are in the dorms are coming through there and we had we had 200 freshmen fill out these cards and then we had people um call all 200 and because my volunteers dropped out I I called most of the 200 to personally invite them to come to our Thursday night meeting that was going to be on fear we were starting a series on fear and come to this thing and and we were just we were just so excited I mean mainly me I was just so excited and I had I had 50 50 young people say yes I will be there Thursday night I will be at the meeting Thursday night. And this is going to double our group in just one night. I mean, this is just amazing. We're just going to have revival. And it's in the middle of this week that I get a, a buzzed into my office. And uh, it's, it's the secretary. And, and she says, there's a, there's a woman on line three. And you're the only pastor available. And she is absolutely at the end of her rope. And she needs to talk to somebody. And I'm just thinking, I don't have time for this. 
I, I don't have time to this. I'm, I'm doing something great for God, and I don't have time for this. And so um, I'm like, okay, all right, go ahead. And so she tells me her story and why she's at the end of herself, and, and I'm just like, okay, she works somewhere down on campus, and She's not a student. She works on campus. And I'm like, okay, here it is. I I will meet you at Calvary Lutheran, which is right down on the square. Here is the time. And honestly, talking to her on the phone, I'm just, I, do, I have no confidence that she will make this appointment. And I, but I'm just taking my work with me. I can work down on campus, so I've got other stuff I can do. So I'm just going to go down there. And so I get down there, and, and uh, sure enough, she's there. She tells me her story. I tell her the simple gospel. And she says, uh, yeah, that's what I need. And she, gets, she gives her heart to Christ. And, and I invite her to come to the Thursday night meeting. So of the 50 that said they would be there Thursday night, 10 are there. But this, this young lady is also there. Within three weeks, all ten are gone. But this one lady is still there. And here we are, 27 years later, and the miracle of God, a life transformed, flowing in the Spirit, serving God. Seed went out, seed went out to all ten. Seed where the gospel was was preached and and frankly the two hundred. We loved on everybody. We we were trying to be Christ, but guys, you don't know what seed is going to take root. And it's interesting how the gospel works. I asked my wife if I could share her testimony a little. Grew up in a non Christian home. Um, mom and dad agnostics and uh, a couple of her friends got saved at the UW and we're talking to her and it wasn't good enough to just talk to her about it they gave they started giving her books she read the books. she read more than a carpenter she read mere Christianity and she kind of the intellectual apologetic side of things and uh, so she was she was thinking about it she was contemplating Christianity one day, and she's heading to class, and somebody is preaching. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a campus preacher from Maranatha. He is just preaching on the mall. There's about 25 people listening to him, and she stops to listen. And when he gets to the end, he said, it's not enough to agree that this is true. You need to make a response. And so he has people raise their hands, and three or four people raise their hands. She doesn't raise her hands, her hand. But something amazing happened to her while she was on that mall, while he was preaching. The Bible says that the the wind blows where it goes, and no one knows how it it comes or, or where it goes. They just know that the evidence that it blew was there. He said, so it is with those born of the Spirit. She said, she said, all of a sudden, I just, I believed. I just believed. 
I knew it was true, and in my heart, I just said yes to Jesus, yes to his love, yes to his forgiveness, yes to the gospel, and she was born again. Amazing. The gospel's power to save sinners. Point two, the need for a preacher. Paul says, how will they hear without a preacher? Hmm. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. The gospel is foolishness to the world. Why? Here's why. The world is absolutely convinced. The mindset of the world is absolutely convinced that God is going to save good people. And that God is about me being good enough to be saved. And that God, that this is how religion works. I am good, and therefore God saves me because I have been good. And the gospel contradicts it. The gospel contradicts how men think it should be or how it would be if they were set it up. God takes away all human work. The gospel starts by saying this. You got a wrong premise. Here's why God doesn't save good people. There are no good people. (laughs) Turns out God's holier than you ever imagined and you're more sinful than you think you are. Turns out the gap between us and God is not this, you know, yeah, I'm not perfect, but, you know, I'm approaching it. No, no, that's not it. No, no, God is here and we're down here and there's absolutely nothing that human effort can do to save themselves. Now, this is very confusing because we spend a lot of time looking around. And we, we, we comfort ourselves that we're better than some people. Actually, most of us, the way we comfort ourselves in the world is not that we're better than some people, but we're no worse than those people. And that's, that's our righteousness. You know, I'm no worse than the next guy. If he's not in trouble, I'm not in trouble. Especially we can find a Christian that, my oh my, if they're in, then I'm certainly in because I'm certainly no worse than they are. They're, they're hypocrites. But God, God sets aside man's efforts. God, God says, he says, you're all guilty. You've all become guilty before me. And I, because I'm God, I can save whoever I want to. I can do it any way I want to. And so I've just set up a way to save people. And here's how, here's how it works. This is the gospel. In my love for you, I, come, I will come down in the person of my son. I will die on a cross for you. And I will take the punishment for all of your sins. On the third day, my son, who who I gave to the world, I gave him to die for the world, will be raised up, confirming that he is the son of God. He is the judge of all human beings. 
he will be raised up. He was raised up in our history. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ was raised. Jesus of Nazareth was raised from the dead. God accepted the sacrifice for your sins. Amazing. And then Jesus said, now go out and preach the good news. Here's the good news. That God wants to forgive the human race. He wants to save the human race. He wants to reconcile the human race. But we have to humble ourselves and believe the gospel. We have to believe in Jesus. We have to believe in his sacrifice. We have to believe that the blood he shed was enough. It is finished. The the debt that you accumulated by your sin is satisfied through the blood of Christ. And through believing, God sends his Holy Spirit and adopts you as his very sons and daughters and makes us purely by grace, sons and daughters. If you do the one-year Bible, uh, this morning is Galatians 4, and it's about Ishmael and Isaac. And Ishmael is born the natural way. Hagar is the Old Testament of performance, and Hagar is born the natural way. And Isaac is born of, uh, Isaac means laughter, uh, born of a promise. He is born not the natural way, but just because Abraham believed a promise. There was supernatural birth. And so everybody that heard the story was going to laugh. That's why his name is Isaac. His name is Isaac, which means laughter. And everyone, he says, you, like Isaac, brothers, are born of a promise. Every single one of our name, if if you believe today, if you're saved today, your name in the spirit is laughter. Why? Because the God that you became an enemy of by your own sin didn't just forgive you of your sin. He then adopted you and gave you all of heaven. The Bible, in the same passage, it says he's made us joint heirs with Jesus. We become heirs of all of heaven. And not just for this life, but for all eternity. This is what the gospel does. Anybody that understands the gospel will laugh. Because are you kidding me? A holy God doesn't just forgive me. He adopts me and then gives me everything. Amazing. The need for a preacher. Everyone has been called to be a witness. Jesus empowers every single believer to be a witness. But some have been specifically set aside to preach. 1 Corinthians 9.16 For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul was called not just to be a Christian but to preach the gospel. He was set aside in his mother's womb. He had a specific calling to preach. He said, you know, don't thank me for for preaching. Uh, This is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is my part in the body of Christ. God calls people. He sets some people aside to preach the gospel. So 1986, 
I'm an investment broker here in Madison. My undergrad was in uh, business. I'm an investment broker. I am calling. We're, we're, we're calling on, for investments. And I'm, 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 I've made over 100 calls with not a single response, not a single person open to what we were selling, which was an amazing product uh, to me anyway. I mean, you try to make it amazing. Anyway, um, that's how sales work. If you don't believe in it, no one else will. Anyway, um, And the whole thing's based on percentages. I know that if I make 10 calls, I'm going to have two people that are interested that I send stuff out to. And, and of 10 people that respond, we're going to have one that actually buys. And so you're running percentages. So I'm making over 100 calls. There's not one person interested. I went to my boss, who was a Christian, and I said, I need, I need to set aside three days for fasting. I'll still come into the office, but I'm going to be fasting and praying. Because God is saying something. I don't know what he's saying, but there has been a divine block on my sales. And he's like, go for it. I will never forget what happened in my office. I don't remember what day it was of the fast, but I am seeking God as to what he's speaking. And I get overwhelmed with the the presence, presence of God. And I feel in my spirit that God is calling me to, to preach the gospel, that he wants me to, to be a preacher. He wants, he wants to set me aside. And, and I, just, I, I just said, Lord, you know, I love this. I love you. I love, I love your presence. But I'm a Bible guy. Can you show me in the Bible that this is true? And just, just like that, John 21 comes into my mind. And I get out the Bible and I turn to John 21 and I'm like, I'm just stunned. In John 21, Peter has gone back to fishing. You remember how discouraged Peter was and he had denied the Lord three times and for the first time, he, he goes away from fishing. And Jesus stands on the shore, the resurrected Christ. They have been fishing all night. And Jesus says this to them, children, have you caught nothing? And I'm just like, oh my, a divine block, a divine stoppage. This is their livelihood. They're not out there fishing for fun. This is what they do. This is how they pay their taxes. This is how they buy groceries. They're out there. And God has caused a divine block. And to to show them that it was a divine block, he says, go ahead and just put your nets over on the other side. And they make a massive catch and the nets don't break and they come into shore. And Jesus says this to Peter, feed my sheep. And it just, every one of them goes like a wave over me. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, shepherd my flock. Two days later, uh, Psalm 78, how God chose David and took him from shepherding sheep to shepherding his people, Israel. God sovereignly sets people aside to be preachers and to be missionaries. 
which are preachers as well. We have got our missions conference coming up next week, and we're going to have, I don't know, 20 of our 35 missionaries will be there. Maybe 23 of our, our 35 missionaries will be here next week. And our, our newest missionaries happen to be my daughter and her son-in-law that we just sent out two weeks ago to Guadalajara, Mexico. And before they left, I said, I, I said you know, I'm going to be speaking on spreading the gospel. And I'm telling them about my call, but I'd love to, can you guys just tell me how you got called? And, and uh, so I already, I already knew a little of Anne's story. Anne, Anne had it prophesied over her so many times that she was going to go to the nations. And ever since she was young, she just wanted to go to the nations. She's, she had several mission trips that she went on, some alone, some with me, because she feels most comfortable in the, in the third world, in places where she is carrying the gospel. She went with ALCS seniors to Panama a few years ago, and she said, Dad, I just, I just feel like I'm who I am when I'm on the mission field. And, but she, was, she majored in teaching English as a second language, and so she just, it was just a matter of how she was going to get there. And before she met Josh, she was going to go with Wycliffe, and it was all set up. And we had uh, Ben Goodman... <laughs> A prophet come, and we, I remember that Tuesday night, we were, we were all lined up here because he wanted to give a word to everybody that wanted a word, and so he just went down and had a word and had a word and had a word, and he gets to Annie, and he just looks at her, and he's like, go. <laughs> he said, why are you even still here? You belong to the nation's. Anyway, so here's Josh's story. Josh grew up in a missionary home. Uh, Jesus and Angelica, Angel is their last name. They had a singing group growing up. His name is Jesus. Her name is Angelica, and their last name is Angel. And so they would in, the pastors would introduce them. We are now going to have Jesus and the angels do special music. <laughs> They, they planted 32 churches. They've b- built five Bible colleges. They're currently in Guadalajara. They've got a Bible college. They've got two churches there. Anyway, um, Josh, growing up, many times was told that he was going to have his, his dad's mantle, that he was going to be, be a, a missionary as well. And, uh, and every, every time it came, Josh knew only one thing. He would not be a missionary. He would absolutely not be a missionary. So he, he came to the States for school and was planning on doing anything but being a missionary. And finally, it led to the military, and he was all set to go into the military. And this is the story. He just told me a couple of weeks ago. And he was, doing a, he was a, a youth leader at a retreat out in Phoenix. And uh, one of the other youth leaders came to him and said, I've been praying for you all night. And uh, the, Lord, the Lord is just saying that it's time to take your place in his army because he has a rank for you in his army and he wants you to take that place. And uh, Josh, this is just where he was. He said, I just, I just took it as a confirmation that I'm supposed to go into the army. That's all I was hearing. 
And a couple days later, they're in, him and his dad are in this meeting. And, and he gets, uh, they, they go up for prayer. And the prophet guy, he, he says this. He says, that this is the vision the Lord's giving me. He says, Josh, the Lord has put a mantle on you. And you brushed it off. And then the Lord picked it up again. And he put it on you again. And, he, and you brushed it off. And now he's got you cornered. <laughs> And he said, uh, he said, here's what it means. He says, God is giving you your dad's mantle. And you need to take it. And then Josh is like, okay, that's clear enough. <laughs> so sometimes we do it voluntarily. Sometimes we feel a little push. Paul says, listen, if I do this voluntarily, I get a reward. And if I do it just because I have to, then, uh, then I'll do it. But either way, I'm doing it. And so Josh tried to, has tried to get willing, and God sent him Annie. It's, amazing. it's an amazing story. Anyway, um, how can they hear without a preacher? God raises people up. Every single Christian is called to be a witness. But he raises some up, specifically sets them apart to preach. Okay? And then now here we are, point three. And I, this, this is my final point. Here we go. How will they preach unless they are sent? They can't hear unless somebody preaches to them. They can't preach to them unless preachers are sent to them. This is how the gospel works. They need to hear To hear, somebody's got to preach. And to preach, somebody has to send them. How will they preach, Paul asks, unless they are sent? So first of all, sent by God. Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. At the end of the day, this harvest belongs to God. It belongs to the Father. The Father is drawing all people to Christ that he might give them to Jesus. The Father is in charge of the harvest, and he raises up people divinely. There's a lot of reasons why the workers are few. That's another sermon. But the point is, we, God needs to raise people up to preach. Thank you, Craig. And then also sent by people. Here's 1 Corinthians 9.14. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. This is how God set it up. Those who preach the gospel should get their living from the gospel. So let me tell you why I was an investment broker. Alice and I met at this church in the college and career group, um, and she was on fire for, she had just got saved, I was just saved, we were both on fire for God, and we got filled with the Spirit, and we were just excited and burning, and um, I was just absolutely sure, just by doing the math, that we would be missionaries. I just, I mean, the great need of the world is that somebody goes to them and brings the gospel to them, and so... 
Um, I'm planning on being a missionary. She is planning on being a missionary. And the only reason I'm an investment broker first is because here's the plan. I make millions of dollars through investments. And then I send myself to missions so that no one has to send us. I don't have to ask for support. We don't have to raise money. And no one has to participate with us. And it's just this kind of one-man show for Jesus. What was going on in my heart, my little sincere, arrogant, blind heart? Well, here's what I wanted. I wanted to be a missionary without any humility, without any accountability, without anyone sending us that we would be in relationship with. Just this one-man show, nobody telling me what to do, nobody, I get to just do it my way, and I've got it all paid for, and so it's just me. Does, Does anybody see what a disaster that would be? Here's how we know it's a disaster. It happens all the time on the mission field. Where missionaries, they can't... They can't get along with each other because there are so many cowboys out there that, that no one sent them. There's no one to call to say, hey, your missionary is causing a lot of trouble. We need to talk about this. Your, your missionary is preaching heresy right now. We need to talk about this. And, and if there's no accountability and we're just cowboys for Jesus, we, we miss the whole plan of God. Because in God's plan, we're interdependent. We're one body. We are one body with one mission. And some are called to go and others are called to send them. They, there is no just leaving. We're, we don't let you leave. We, we send you. We send you. We get behind you with our prayers. We get behind you with our resources. We send you. And so you are us, and we are you. And we've got a, a missions committee. This Tuesday night, we're going to pray for the missions committee and the, and the conference. It is, this missions committee is such a gift because they evaluate every missionary and they all the finances of every missionary that supports us they evaluate it and go over it and and there's accountability and if there's something wrong on the mission field we we work together and we 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 solve problems and I mean, I could tell you an amazing story that happened last year in restoring one of our missionary couples it was unbelievable and the way the missions committee worked and the compassion they showed and stayed by and and I work with them and we we, I actually had to go out to the field and and minister to them and then we had a probationary period and now they're completely healed they're for the first time in their life they're happily married and their ministry is just exploding because they weren't out there by themselves they were sent And there was somebody that could be called in. There was somebody that was covering them. There was somebody, and we were their support. Their very support was in jeopardy, not just ours, but their their support from people all over the place. We're the covering church, so we had to write letters and say, this is what's going on, and pray for them. And What a beautiful story of redemption. Paul, 
in this passage in Romans, he says, listen, I want to take the gospel to those who have not heard. My next place is Spain. I'm, I'm coming to Italy. I'm coming to Rome to enjoy your fellowship, to impart any spiritual gift. But my vision is this, that you will help me. You will send me. I'm not just going to Spain. We're going to Spain. I'm going to come to you, and then you're going to get behind me and help me, and you're going to send me to Spain, just like Antioch had sent him to all over the, the, uh, Turkey to bring the gospel. Now he's coming to Rome, but the vision is for the gospel to spread. And uh, he's already got a vision for, for them to send him. Now, now the, the, the bigger story is, of course, the way Paul got to Rome was not any way that he thought he would. He ended up getting there by being a prisoner. And he never got sent by Rome to Spain. Instead, he wrote the New Testament while he was in prison. That's just God. God can do it however he wants to. Anyway, um, preachers must be sent. All right, here we go. The spreading of the gospel is everyone's responsibility. Romans chapter 1, verse 14. We did this way back when we did Romans 1. Paul says this, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I have an obligation to preach to everybody. Those that want to hear and even those that don't want to hear. I have an obligation to bring the gospel to them. I am obligated to do it. In the passage in Romans, he said, for some, beautiful are the feet of those who come to us and bring the good news. But not everybody thinks they're beautiful. <laughs> some of them hate them. Some of them persecute them. But even, even so, we owe them the gospel. So Tim Keller writes about this passage. Paul has never met the Roman church, far less the greater population of Rome. So in what sense is he in debt to them? It is illustrative to think about how I can be in debt to you. First, you may have lent me $100, and I am in debt to you until I pay it back. That's one way I could be in debt to you. But second, someone else may have given me $100 to pass on to you, and I am in debt to you until I hand it on. It is the second sense that Paul is obligated to everyone everywhere. God has shared the gospel with him, but God has also commissioned him to declare it to others. So Paul owes the gospel to others. So, this might not be something you've thought about. But did you know that every single one of you here that is saved have a debt? Not just to the people of Madison, but to the whole world. Here, here's what Jesus said. This is his last commission. He says, go into all the world and preach 
the gospel to every single human being, every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. The very last command he gave is this command. So you and I who have received the gospel are in debt. There's not a human being in the world that you're not in debt to. Not because they've given something to you and now you feel guilty and you're obligated. No, no, because God has given you something for them. He has given you a gift for them. Pastor Tom, that is a horrible, horrible weight. I have to preach the gospel to the whole world, to every creature? No, here's how it works. We have received this together. And so I can't do this. I can't fulfill this without you. We need each other to do this. And we all need to be witnesses where we are, witnesses to family, witnesses to coworkers, witnesses, being ready, being prepared to, to answer any, anybody who asks a reason for the hope that is in us, that we're all ready, that, that we've got good news, that we're willing to share whatever Jesus has done in us. And then... We're not just witnesses, but we are part of those who send others who have got a specific calling to preach. So I can keep my obligation to Mexico by supporting our missionaries in Mexico. I can keep my obligation to Russia by supporting our missionaries in Russia. I can keep Guatemala, Central America, in uh, Ecuador, in Argentina, we got missionaries all over the world. And this is just an amazing thing. But this good news that God has given me, he hasn't, he's, he's given it to me, and he said, now, this is how I save everybody. Now, I, I need you to bring that gospel. People that want to hear, people that don't want to hear, hard places, difficult places, easy places. I need you to take the gospel. And this is happening, guys. My, oh, my. Uh, Sam and Jennifer just got back from a YWAM thing that was Youth with a Mission conference for all their global leadership that was like eight days. And there is now an app that anywhere in the world you can download Anybody can ask for this and just get the Jesus movie downloaded to them in their own language. It's stunning. He, Sam was, the guy was telling about this app and he's at this table and he's got this, this waitress and he says, honey, where are you from? And she says, Ethiopia. And he says, look at this. And he just goes to the app and they start doing the language uh, of Ethiopia. And she says, uh, that's not my language. I, he says, well, which dialect are you? And she's, it's a different dialect in Ethiopia. So just a second, presses a few things, starts playing the Jesus movie in her dialect. She's just like, oh my. He just gives her the app to download so she can watch and hear Jesus speak to her in her own language. This is what's happening today. And we're part of it. We're part of it. We're part of, we, we go to, through our YWAM base here, we go all over the world bringing justice to women, compassion. We've got a YWAM base in China, for crying out loud. 
Because our base here that we support, that we get behind, has done that. And so you are in China. Do you see how God has set this up? Some are called to go. Others are called to feel the burden of going by making a sacrifice uh, to, to participate with them by giving. And we all share together in the great reward. So here's how God has set up giving to the gospel. In Philippians 4, Paul says it all, so I'm just going to read it to you, 15 through 19. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now I have received from, from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So here is how money works. First Paul, who's very engaged with the kingdom, he says, I'm, I was jealous for you that you would have money credited to your account in heaven. Did you know that when you give to the church, when you give to missions, that every single one of us has an account in heaven? This is scriptural from so many different places that you, we literally build treasure in heaven. You can't, how many know you can't take it with you? But there's nothing clearer in the gospels and in the letters. You can send it ahead. <laughs> can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. When we give to the gospel, we build treasure for ourselves in heaven. Every single one of us has a heavenly account. Secondly, money given to the gospel is a fragrance to God. It rises as a fragrant offering. When we are making a sacrifice to spread the gospel, to advance the gospel, Paul says your gift, it didn't just supply my needs, it, it, it rose to God as a, as a fragrant offering. Why is, why is giving so important to God? The Bible says this, where your treasure is, your heart is. When you're, when you're given money, this, all, this just became very, very real. Money runs this world. Every one of us can think of what we could do with a little extra money. We could go on a vacation. We could buy this. We could do this. We could have this better. We could have this better. When we choose to give to the gospel instead of just make our lives more comfortable, that's, that's real. That is very real. Sometimes our songs are real. And everybody here knows it. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes we're singing the song because we've always sung the song, but we're thinking about something else. These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. How do you get your heart engaged? I'll tell you how, real quick. You give to the gospel and your heart becomes engaged. All of a sudden, you're an investor. All of a sudden, you care about that company because you just bought stock in it. 
You, you cheer for it. You pray for it. You want it because you've invested something in it. A fragrant offering to God. And then, oh, and, and I want to just read 1 Corinthians 9, 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When our missionaries come here, one of the reasons why they come every year is to thank us. And and thanking us doesn't make it less that it was God that did it. The the fact that we barely know them, we try to build relationships, that's why we bring them back. We want us to know our missionaries. We want to meet them. We want to know them. But the fact that we know them so little yet are still giving, it, it causes them to well up in Thanksgiving. Because these people have kids. They've got an electric bill. They've got rent payments. They're out there doing the stuff because God called them to do it. And they can't do it unless somebody sends them money. And so us sending them money, it wells up in Thanksgiving. We gave, we gave a, about a quarter of a million dollars last year in missions. Amazing. With, with, no, with no twisting, with no, really, we didn't even have offerings. We just filled out those pledge cards and giving boxes, and, and, and you and me, we together, we just, we just each did our part, and miracles are happening all over the world because of, of our response. Thanksgiving to God, glory to God is rising up in every country. Amazing. Amazing. And then this is insane. But our needs are met according to heaven's resources. God, God's God, so he can do it any way he wants to. And he just knew this whole matter of giving was going to be really hard for us, especially for men. So he says in Malachi... He says, and there's other places where it says, don't test the Lord your God. And God says, except for one area. One area you can test me with tithes. He says, test me in this. Malachi 3.10. He says, he says, bring in the tithes and see what I'll do. I will open up heaven's resources to you. I will open up heaven and I will pour out a blessing on you until it overflows, which is us giving more. I will rebuke the devourer for you. It, the math does not work. You give 10% and you've only got 90% to live on and I used to have 100% but now I only have 90% and God says, no, that's not how it works. That's not my mathematics. Paul says, as you gave, as you gave sacrificially, as you gave, it wasn't just a fragrant offerance to God. God makes a promise to you. My God will supply all of your needs according, not to the economy, but according to his riches in glory. Now, we purposely do not speak about money here unless it's absolutely in the text. We don't have 20 minutes before, you know, everything about the offering. We need you to give in the offering. I, I, there's so much cynicism about money and what's going on in the name of money that we just, that's why we have giving boxes. We just don't, we don't want people to feel like, We've got you here so we can get your money. That's so not what we want. If we have to be that kind of a church, uh, we'll, we'll just close the doors. Uh, I can't, we, we, we can't, if that's what it takes, I can't do it. 
I just can't do it. But I'll tell you what. Personally, I've experienced so many financial miracles, and it has to do with this giving and receiving. It's amazing. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is a cheerful giver. God didn't give because he had to. He gave because he wanted to. He gave his only begotten son for us. And he gave generously and he loves generous giving. And he says, don't give because you have to out of obligation or because somebody twisted your arm. Give because you want to. I love that kind of giving. I will bless that kind of giving. So here's our goal for the missions conference. Number one goal. The number one goal that we have set for our missions conference that starts next week is simply this, to please God. That we would, as each of us do our part, that we, this would be like a fragrant offering to God. That Jesus would say, oh my father, this is why I died. This is why I died. That we would bless God as each of us puts in our part, does our part, makes a sacrifice. Second goal is to raise $217,000 to support our missionaries in the coming year. Tomorrow, we will be sending out a letter to all members. You will receive a letter that has a pledge card in it. The pledge cards are not asking for vows that create fear when they're broken. They are simply intentions that we have over the coming year because most of us who want to give can't give what we'd like to give all at once. But we could give it if we could say over the year, I can give this much. As God enables me, it even says in the card. We're not trying to get you in fear. That's not it at all. But our missionaries live on a budget that, that is annual. And so... They need to know what they can expect coming in annually. So this is how we do it. Some will be able to give everything they want to give at, at once. Others can, make, uh, can give something maybe and give a pledge. We will ask God to help each of us do the part he asks. And on the second Sunday of, uh, of uh, October, or the first Sunday of October, second Sunday of our missions conference, October 2nd, we will have pledge cards in every bulletin and that morning, so next Sunday, we have Tom Doyle here, who's the head of missions in the Middle East. Amazing, amazing man of God. Amazing stories of how God is reaching Muslims. Please come next Sunday and bring friends. It is the most encouraging thing I've ever heard about Islam and how God's reaching people within the Islamic culture with dreams and visions. It's just absolutely stunning. Um, that's the first one. We'll have mission pledge cards at each of the giving tables next, even next week. But the week after, they will be in every bulletin. And at the end of that service, we will all take it out and we will lift it before God and we will just pray. God, the, the 217000 I don't think anybody in this church could write a check for 217000 
But it's amazing if we each just listen to the Holy Spirit and say, God, what would you have me do over this coming year? And we each, as part of this family, take responsibility. We bring all those cards in. And then the the last step is we will report back what came in and we celebrate together what God has done that we were part of. Okay. So here's how we're going to end today. Could we have every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment? Maybe you are here today and just like my wife heard the gospel and something quickened in her. Good news. God loves you. Good news. God wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to be forgiven of your sins. Bad news. You're a sinner. No one will get there because they're religious enough or because they're good enough or because they helped enough little old ladies across the street. Every one of us is guilty before a holy God. But Jesus comes and he knocks. He releases his word, the seed of faith, and then he invites us to believe, to repent of going our own way, doing our own thing, and to believe his goodness, his love, and his sacrifice. So if you are here this morning, and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you you know God's got you here, and he's knocking on your life. He's knocking on your door. This is between you and God. That's why everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. But I have people raise their hands because somebody helped me make a response. And I love to help other people. So if that's you today, Jesus is knocking and you want to open the door today and say yes to him. Would you just raise your hand real high right now? I see that hand. Thank you, honey. I see this hand. God bless you. Anybody else by upraised hand? You just want to say yes today. You want to open that door. You want to believe what God has already started doing in your life by knocking way, way in the back of the balcony. God bless you. And over here, God bless you. Thank you. If I could just have everybody that raised their hand, just slip that hand over your heart right now and pray something like this. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for preaching the gospel to me, Jesus. Thank you for sowing your word in my heart. Lord, today I open my door and I believe. I believe not just that you love the whole world, but that you love me, that you died for me, that you want me as your son or daughter. And I I open that door and say, come in and save me, wash me, cleanse me. I receive right now by faith the gift of eternal life. you for all the other churches and all the other missionaries that are going out from and and lord you're not asking us to do everything you're just asking us to do our 
part. As a church, we have a part in the third world. We have a part. We have a responsibility because you've been so generous to give us the gospel. And so, God, we want to be part of that. I pray for everyone here that you'd help us this week to be your witnesses, to to have those feet shod with the gospel, that we are willing to go wherever you want us to go to bring the gospel, to answer everybody that's looking for hope. God, we live in in a culture of despair, and people are looking for something real. Help us to be witnesses for you. And then, Father, thank you for calling some to be full-time preaching. Some called to preach here and be pastors here, and some called to go to the outer ends of the earth. And Jesus, we thank you for those that are called. We thank you that we help them by sending them, by supporting them, by giving money. And God, in Jesus' name, we just want to agree with your plan. We want to agree with your plan and say, God, what is foolishness to the world is the wisdom of God that you would save people through the gospel. Lord, you said whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. Lord, as a church, we want to give our life for Jesus, and for the gospel. Now, as our missionaries come in, Lord, could this be a place of safety for them, of rejuvenation for them? Lord, could this be a place where they are strengthened and helped? And Father, 217,000, that's nothing for you. Would you, would you raise it, God? Would you, would you speak to our hearts? Would you cause us to participate more, to have our hearts a little freer from our money and a little, little more engaged with you in the gospel? Thank you, Jesus, that we are part of your answer for this world. Lord, I'm so excited about Tom Doyle being here next week and how you are appearing to Muslims as the man in white in their dreams. And Muslims all over the world are telling stories about coming to Christ. As Paul said, I preach the gospel with signs and wonders. Lord, you are still doing signs and wonders to save people. God, thank you. Let this be the greatest missions conference ever. And let the evidence be that our hearts are engaged. Our hearts begin to burn more and more because we've only got a few more days left down on this earth. And then we're going to our heavenly home. Come on, Lord. Help us. Help us to number our days and be part of what you're doing in this great hour. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Woo! All right, guys. Here's Brian's email if you need that. And we're going to have prayer teams up here. Um, If you need prayer, come on up. God bless you.